Welcome into the Locked on Knicks podcast. I'm Gavin Shaw. The man alongside me is Alex Wolf, And we are once again talking to the goat of Knicks analysis. I'm willing to go that far. Benji Ridholtz um, does these incredible film breakdowns day in and day out. We are getting into uh, why Julius Randle and Emmanuel quickly have struggled, how the Knicks can make their lives easier. And if the Cleveland Cavaliers have a chance, what adjustments do they have to make? What adjustments will they make? We'll talk about it all right now on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. Starts without a five. Willing for the win. Yes! Up and tucks left. Now fires it. He's good. And he's fouled. He's Anthony for three. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. I want to thank you for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day. Um, that means you're an everydayer. We love our everydayers here at Locked On Knicks. That means you're subscribed on YouTube. You have that notifications bell locked in so you never, ever miss an episode. But Who's, who's kindly asking you for listens? I'm Gavin Shell, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster's favorite play-by-play broadcaster. He is Alex Wolf, editor-in-chief of the Strickland, the greatest Knicks website in the whole wide world. And today, uh, as, as I noted in the in the intro, uh, we are joined by Benji Ritholtz um, of Knicks Film School. And you can follow him on Twitter at Ben Ritholtz MBA to continue breaking down um, this Knicks Cavs series. If you missed it, we had a part one where we got into Tom Thibodeau, how good of a job he's been doing, what adjustments he's made that have empowered the Knicks, um, and also R.J. Barrett and all of his successes for everyone who uh, rightfully uh, accuses me. And I, I think to a slightly lesser degree, Alex, of being R.J. haters, that is the episode for you. Um, this one is all about uh, fixing the other guys. So we'll get into it right now with Benji Ritholtz. If we're talking, though, about other guys that aren't really putting it together at this particular moment, uh, there are two potential well not potential two actual uh guys that are putting on performances so far in the playoffs that are smidge concerning that's julius randall and emmanuel quickly and so much we hate to lump quickly in there or julius for that matter i mean the guy's probably an all nba player this year um those guys are are struggling quite a bit uh julius you noted it earlier and i guess we could probably start on him like he Came out pretty strong in the series. He really did buoy the Knicks in that first game, uh, in that first half especially. You know, gave them a scoring punch they needed. Kind of his his own little like uh, like Willis Reed style moment coming out there, gutting it out on that sprained ankle, and you know, scoring looking like himself. But pretty much in the in how many how many quarters we've we been through since then? 12, 14 quarters since then does not look good. I mean, he looks uncomfortable. He can't get into any rhythm with his jump shot. And unfortunately, now we're starting to see, as you mentioned in this most recent game, that it's starting to seep into the defensive end and his defensive effort. And we're starting to see some of the the worst tendencies that he can offer sometimes come out where the shot's not falling. And now it's starting to get to it seems at least that it's starting to get to him uh, and and, you know, affect his ability to keep his composure in all aspects of the game. Um What's your read on Randall right now? Is it really so simple as like once the three star falling, things should get better? Because it 
if you want to talk about a guy that like about getting into the lane being a skill, he's not doing a ton of that right now and seems to mostly be focused on those three point shots. And as a result, now that the threes aren't falling, it seems like nothing is really working for him at the moment, especially on offense. Yeah. Um, I actually thought game starting game two, the defense fell off a cliff um, and it didn't hurt them as much and as obviously as it did in game four, but game one, I thought he was particularly active Um they, they asked him to blitz. That was the game plan. And he did it with like a fury. He forced a couple turnovers uh, on blitzes on Garland network. Cause he's freaking, he's a freaking scary dude. If he blitzes you, he's a huge athletic guy. Like, He's like a and defensive I, end in football. <laughs> yeah, right, right. He's like blitz. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Coming off the edge, right? Like that's scary. And I, I, I guess the caveat has to be like, I don't know how healthy he is. I don't know. So it could be that a game one, he was like all adrenaline. And like the next day was like, holy cow, that hurts. And like, hasn't been the same since. Absolutely possible. So like, we can only speak about what we're seeing. We can't really know. He hasn't been grimacing. Like he hasn't. Tib, Tibbs, I think like suggested that he's not feeling great. Uh, in his post game last night or whatever it was Sunday. Um, but I don't know. So well, I'll, I'll just say what I'm seeing with uh, understanding that maybe it's because he's not healthy, but like hasn't been nearly as active since game one on his blitzes. Just like kind of can see like, because he knows the pass is going over the top to Mobley. He doesn't feel like he has to be active about, but you do, especially with Julius. Cause the more active he is on the initial action, the more active he'll be throughout the possession. Like that's just how he is. And that's how like he'll box out better. Like, you just need to get that guy moving. The more he moves, the better he moves. Um, I find sometimes he just gets lethargic on defense, and he has been since game one, really. Um, on the offensive end, it's not a good matchup. It's not a good matchup um, because Mobley is is exactly the kind of defender that you want because even if Julius can knock him back, he has the length to still contest everything that Julius puts up there. Um, and so Julius, I think, as a result, is settling for a lot of step back and tough threes. And it's been too much isolation. Excuse me. It's been too much isolation on Mobley. I think one thing the Knicks can do to help him out a little bit is screen with him more. Um, he hasn't screened a lot this series at all. And I understand that they're heavily um, relying on the guard to guard and wing to guard thing. But I think you could get him involved in that sense too. The one and one that he got against Mobley in the third quarter was after a screen where he received the catch like on the short corner and was able to attack with a Mobley getting back into the picture. Like that's a much better situation for him. Um, where he can kind of knock him off while Mobley's in in movement, in motion. Um, but like otherwise, like it's not a good matchup. It's Brunson's series. It always was going to be Brunson's series. And you knew that coming in. Like Brunson has the advantage here with Garland and Mitchell out there. Like that's the guy you want with the ball attacking those mismatches. But Julius needs to obviously be a lot better than he's been. Um Hell, maybe not if they like <laughs> if they play Obi down the stretch, but theoretically he has to be better than he's been. Uh if this team wants to go anywhere further than this, right? I think um it's just gonna be hopefully he's healthy and then like just better decision making, attack more favorable situations, try to screen more, get him on the move. Um, and then just be a good defensive player. Like ultimately, if you have to be a supporter in this in this series, you got to do it with, with verve and with like real commitment. Um, that's where you can help the team, like rebound the basketball, like a madman, do the things that you can do, even if you're not scoring. And, you know, hopefully the offensive side isn't spilling into the defensive side. Yeah. This, this is maybe a little specific, but I know, I know you appreciate that stuff. Like, how do you think it looks like if he's used as a screener, if he's like, are the Cavs like straight up switching that and almost trying to bait Julius like into going like full bully ball and saying like, all right, yeah, go at like, 
Darius Garland. And then in that scenario, like obviously like well, whoever the big is, like that's not involved in the action, like presumably Mobley. And then like Allen's stepping up on that. Like you're kind of daring Julius to like throw that lob to Mitch. And I thought what really stood out to me in game four, like obviously with Mitch, like a lot of it was the offensive rebounding, which is to, to what you were saying earlier, sort of by the same mechanism anyways, like where that big steps up and then Mitch gets prime position and like they're not strong enough to really get around him or, or move him at that point. But we also saw um, like, RJ throw a lob to Mitch. Like, I think that was the one where like Garland kind of bumped him and he had like the tip finish. Yep. And then there was one where Brunson, like, I don't know, this is like, maybe this probably wasn't the intent, but I think he saw that Mitch had great position. Like this was the one early in the game where Mitch ended up getting the dunk and he put up like this really soft floater. And it almost felt like his logic was like, either it's going to go in yep. like, or Mitch is going to like be there to get the rebound. And like Mitch had the same issue. This is something uh, Ariel pointed out when he was on the pod, like where he's like loading so slowly, but he like he had enough time that time that he could just get the dunk, but I- I'm getting sidetracked. Uh, the point is like, like, do you, like, would the Cavs, like, almost try to bait Mitch into being, like, or not Mitch, Randall? Like, are you going to be willing to throw that lob to Mitch? Like, are you just going to try to take, like, a short jumper over Garland? Um, or, or would they, like, try to not switch that at all and, like, and like scram and, like, maybe, like, risk, like, Butler – or not Butler, um, Brunson, like, shooting a quick three-pointer? Yes. I mean, they've generally been blitzing it just yeah. like they blitz everything else. And, like, Randall got a three in game two for top of the key when they, when Mobley blitzed and he just kind of popped to the top of the key and actually made a three, which wasn't a step back, which is, you know, good. Um, and that's the same, that, that M one that he got again was off of kind of a blitz and a catch uh, in the short corner. I don't think they're switching it where you run into the issue you're talking about. Gavin is like when, so like when one of the big sits yeah. and you have Osmond guarding Randall, so there have been a couple of times they've kind of just like thrown it to him at the elbow. And then you get the old Atlanta Hawks situation, right? With like, which is etched into all of our memories where he catches on the corner on the elbow, the big shades all the way over overloads the side. Everyone's in passing lanes. And like, what are you going to do? Julius, you're going to have to make a decision here. And he just struggles in that scenario. Um, so I think you have to be careful about that because it doesn't work in the playoffs all the time. Just like dumping it to Randall where he's, um, not the quickest decision maker and isn't, you know, he, he gets that bailout foul when he goes right and kind of sweeps his arms through. And that's one of his go-tos. And I think that's harder to find with more discipline and smart teams in the playoffs, not really going to bail you out. So it's going to be like, make a tough jumper or try to make a pass and don't turn it over, which is, is hard to rely on. I will say, I think Julius has to be more aggressive going to the basket just to get into the paint against Osman when that matchup presents itself. Um, even if it's not through the post, but like he's been settling for step backs against the likes of Osmond and Danny Green all series, and that you can't have it. Like he's got to get into the paint, get two feet in the paint for like we talked about with RJ. It doesn't have to be pretty, and it's not necessarily to score, but just getting your two feet in the paint against a matchup like that is going to force help, and you're going to find the pass to the perimeter to open up a three. I think that's where the value comes in when that matchup presents itself. And against Mobley, I just think you have to be a little bit smarter about attacking it and like less frequently and more on the move, I think is the way to go. All right, we'll be right back in with Benji Ritholtz to continue discussing some things that the Knicks and Cavs could both do a little better to try to swing this series one way or the other for the Knicks to close out or for the Cavs to potentially take their game at home and possibly push this to six games, if not more. Uh, But first, I got to remind you all that today's episode is brought to you by Ultimate Pro Basketball GM, and it really is one of the coolest games I've played in a while I've always thought I could be a great NBA GM, and as it turns out, it's not all that easy unless you're like me and you're obsessed with uh, basketball GM-type games and you play it relentlessly until you figure out how to beat it. 
and win as many championships as humanly possible, which is exactly what I did. Uh, but you could do the same thing because, you know, you could be like Leon Rose and build a great team. If you had the same thoughts and have fantasized about managing your own basketball franchise, go and download Ultimate Pro Basketball GM right now. The game allows you to manage every strategic aspect of a franchise, playing through seasons and leading your franchise and fans to glory as you build a historic dynasty. In the simulation, you're responsible for dealing with challenging personalities, hiring the right coaches and assistants, trading and trading players, and making draft picks. Uh, spoiler alert, draft picks, mega important. Do that when you play the game. And you're responsible for navigating your franchise through free agency at the draft and all the ups and downs of multiple seasons. All this is in a challenging and realistic game world. Ultimate Pro Basketball GM is completely free and playable offline. You can play on the go as you want and when you want to. And I've totally loved taking the New York team. I I think they were called the New York Bucks, weirdly enough, which <laughs> foreshadowing maybe for the next round if the Bucks make a uh, make a comeback in their series, but probably not. <laughs> but at any rate, uh, it's it, it, you like go in and and your owner tells you that. They're, uh, the team is totally terrible and needs to be drug out from the gutter and this, that, the other really resonated with me as a Knicks fan. I found it, uh, the story was just top notch <laughs> for a Knicks fan. It really just hit home. Painfully Perfect. so, it sounds like. <laughs> Painfully so. So, but it makes it that much better when you do just like Leon Rose and put together a great team. So, Locked On Knicks listeners can get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo Locked On in the game store. So, make sure to check it out. To download the game, just visit probasketballgm.com. Scan the code or look it up on your favorite app store. That's probasketballgm.com. Ultimate Basketball GM. Start your dynasty today. And we also wanted to tell you about our friends over at Ibotta. Watch your closet grow after purchasing all of this season's latest trends. How about also watching your cash grow back with each purchase with Ibotta? A typical basket of groceries was over $50 more expensive at the end of 2022 than at the beginning of the year due to inflation. You could earn two and a half times that in cash back from Ibotta and even more depending on how much you use Ibotta. Ibotta gives you real cash back, not points. Other apps gives you points that don't amount to much. With Ibotta, you get real cash back that you can cash out to your bank account, PayPal, or gift cards. You can earn cash back on hundreds of online brands and retailers too. When you start with Ibotta, including Lowe's, Macy's, Sephora, Best Buy, and more. Right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 off just for trying Ibotta by using the code LOCKED. When you register, just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app and use code LOCKED. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store and use code LOCKED. Well, Benji, to move to the other guy that I mentioned a moment ago, yeah, I, Emmanuel quickly. I, I'm going to keep this one pretty short because this is kind of how I feel at least, and I'll see if you feel the same way. But with him, is it almost just so simple as the shots need to start falling? Because <laughs> I honestly, I I have not had too many nits to pick with his his defense. Like I like I said, I, I think that he made a difference on Garland the other day. Uh, once his number was called to step in there instead of Brunson. And, you know, I think he's still impacting the game in that way. Just the scoring is not there right now. And I, I think it mostly just comes down to just one of these stretches, just that with unfortunate timing that we've seen from quickly in his career where he just kind of can't find the hoop right now. And that just kind of it, luckily it doesn't affect the other parts of his game, but it definitely it comes in waves with him from time to time. And it seems like we're dealing with a tidal wave at the moment. Um, what's your read on on what's hampered him at this point? 
Yeah, I think it's a combination of things. Definitely, primarily, it's just like, man, make some shots. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, I can think of a couple. The three when Hart, when RJ skipped it to him it was wide open. Hartenstein set the pin and screen, and like he's just standing there, wide open, way short. He had a he had a, a two where he kind of got away with a little bit of a push off, but basically was wide open from about ten feet. Was short. Um, it's like yeah, make shots. Uh, so that is number one to me. I I you know <laughs> quickly obviously has improved so much as a ball handler and a driver, and like statistically, I know how good the numbers are in terms of his ability to get into the paint. There's still something about the way he drives and handles that I think teams could take away with pressure and physicality. Um, and I think that is affecting him a bit. The Cavs pressure really high on the floor and they're very physical on the perimeter. And I, I do think that it limits him a little bit in terms of his ability to break down a defense. Um, I think that's also a factor. I also think usage is a factor. Like I think, with Brunson playing more minutes, um, those like IQ led bench units just don't get as much time, and so he's not getting as much time to kind of be featured and run pick and rolls. Um, and I think that eats into a player's rhythm and like just like doesn't give him the opportunities he necessarily needs to really get going. So I think that's also a factor. Um, so kind of all those things combined, I think the Knicks would be well served to give him a little bit more usage, even with Brunson on the floor relieve some pressure on Brunson who's getting picked up full court like a lot of the game. Um, I don't see any reason why quickly can't bring up the ball, run some actions for Brunson off ball, but just like allowing quickly to get those touches and some opportunities I think would be, would be wise. Um, I, as you said, I think game four, he was terrific defensively. It was his best game defensively by far. I don't think he's been as impactful there as I've seen him over the course of the season, but in game four, he was, he was everywhere as a rotator on ball on Garland. He was great. Um, he was terrific. So yeah. And that's how you get to, you know, whatever plus 11 and with zero points. I think that was real. I think he was impacting winning in a very significant way, but yeah, we want to get him going a little bit offensively. I think just, you know, a little, make some shots. Number one, a little more usage I think would be helpful as well. Um, yeah, that's what I would say about IQ. Not too worried. Honestly, I think, I think it'll come, but, um, that's basically it. Yeah. Yeah, worth noting to what you were talking about earlier in the podcast, like he has been great as a screener and in game four, like kind of replaced Grimes doing that because I thought Grimes in game one really stood out in that respect and the fact that the Cavs didn't want to leave him and that you you got the switch basically you wanted for Brunson every single time. Um, and then in game four, it was a bunch of like like IQ setting a screen, Brunson rejecting it, got like a really, I, I think it was IQ and Brunson hit that three. Like it was like late third quarter, early fourth. Like it made it 71 70, I think. Um, but yeah. th- those are great because, like, again, IQ, like you even, even in a series where he's not shooting well, where he's a little bit reticent to shoot, like you don't want to leave him. And, and Brunson can really play with that by just zipping the other way. Um, and I, I think the other big thing is like getting like kind of what you're doing with RJ, like finding ways to get IQ the ball with momentum. Um, because to your point, like he's very like, Similar, like to like when you talk about RJ at his worst, like where he has to reload on a drive. Like IQ can be like very, very methodical at times, and like I enjoy it a lot more. Like once, like kind of the three point shot comes first, and then he can play off that and like pump fake and and like like he's like even it was it was crazy. Like even when he wasn't making shots early in the year, like his pump fake was still totally deadly, and and guys couldn't help but bite on it. And I felt like that, um, like. A similar formula would be great. Of course, though, he's he's kind of passing up threes. Um, I was kind of happy game three. Like, I thought he got going like his in-between game a little bit, hit two floaters. Um, I, I think the Knicks are, at least to win game five, 
they're going to need some of that from him. Like you could, you could certainly say like, I mean, like Randall having a great game would do that too. But I, I guess this kind of leads into like where we can finish up. Like, what do you expect is like final adjustments from the Cavs? Like you, you noted that like personnel wise, they've kind of already made their big moves. They don't have a lot of flexibility there. Like where's there still meat on the bone for them to get back in the series beyond just Donovan Mitchell playing better, which to your point could happen and make everything else sort of moot. Yeah. And then how can the Knicks kind of answer those? Yeah, I think they'll feature more one-five pick and rolls. Um, I, I think they got some traction there in the third quarter. Obviously, certainly when Brunson's in the game and guarding the likes of Garland or Mitchell, um, I think they will just simply spread the floor and set Jared Allen will set a screen. I think they'll do more of that. Um, I also think the lineup that they—I don't know if they closed the second quarter with this lineup, but it, it was—it was solid. Was they had a Coro at the four with Mobley at the five. And they threw a Coro on Brunson. Um, so I guess it was Garland, Mitchell, um, Levert, Coro, Mobley. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and I thought that lineup played really well. I don't know if they got to it in the second half. I don't even think they did. Um, but I could see them kind of going back to the film and saying, oh, that looked pretty good because we could throw a Coro on Brunson. And we still, even though Coro can't shoot, at least we have the, our three best guards around that with Mobley as instead of having to spread anywhere is just the center. Um I could see that. I think Okoro has proven himself worthy of like being reinserted into the regular rotation, even if not as a starter. Um, he, he offers enough, and he's made just enough shots, maybe, even though I think the Knicks will continue to ignore him. Um, they should not play Rubio anymore. I don't know what the hell they keep going back to Rubio for. Like Danny Green, I said in game two, I'm like, I know Danny Green played and made a three. I didn't think he was moving well at all. So I don't know if that's like a health thing, if he's going to play. I don't you know. Uh, so I don't know, but th- those would be the counters. I, and, and they made this weird thing where they put uh, Garland on Brunson to start game four. And I don't think they're going to do that again. I don't think that made any sense. I, 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 I think they overthought it. They were like, well, if we put Garland on Brunson to begin with, and they're not going to, they can't technically bring Garland into the action. He's already in the action. So we can't go like guard to guard screen and mess us up. But then I was like, okay, but the Knicks are like happy to just like let Brunson attack Garland. <laughs> you you, you um, can't hurt me. I'm going to hurt me. It was, first, but it, yeah. it was very weird. I didn't really get that adjustment. I didn't think it really worked. Um, Brunson's happy to attack Garland anyway. And I, I think whatever, they might've shot themselves in the foot there a little bit. If I had a guess, I would say Levert starts again. He starts on Brunson. They play a little bit smaller, um, try to spread the Knicks out a little bit and, and rely more heavily on their 1-5 and 2-5 pick and rolls. If th- Those are the op- the adjustments I'm expecting. We'll see. What do you think from the from the perspective of the Knicks? Is there, like, <laughs> what is what is there left for the Knicks to do to continue getting better against the, the Cavs here? Like, that was sort of the case for, like, how the Cavs could potentially punch back you know against the Knicks here and maybe make some adjustments like if the Knicks keep going more or less status quo and the Cavs don't adjust like have the Knicks sort of put the obviously they have with the 3-1 lead but like have the Knicks sort of put themselves in the position now where they're sort of like if we if we could use a Star Wars reference they're like Obi-Wan right now and and the Cavs are Anakin down on the platform and they're saying like I have the high ground right now like you're going to really need to figure something out here because otherwise we've pretty much got you beat at this point. I mean, is there is there much left that the Knicks need to do other than just sort of stick with what's working for them? Or is there anything that you still look at maybe outside of just Randall and IQ making shots that screams to you like, no, this still needs to be worked on 
Uh, and you know, the, the, if the Knicks do this, they more or less have guaranteed themselves a series victory here. Um, yeah, you know, some of the things we talked about already, I think like trying to free Randall up a little bit, like in all the ways we discussed earlier, uh, just to get him going and not another really poor efficiency night, um, I think would be great. I think you have to look at the third quarter where you struggled early and like figure that out. How are we guarding that Garland, Garland, Mobley screen and roll, guard, Mitch, guard, sorry, Garland, Allen screen and roll. How is Brunson tracing over if he's the one guarding it? He just needs to be a little bit better. I think you, 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 you know, you're watching the film. And you're like pointing out, hey, Jalen, you got to get over the screen. You got to pursue from behind. So that Mitch can, like, you have to just like be a little sharper, so that Garland doesn't go off. We've now seen two different times where Garland's really gone off, and I think they're susceptible to it. Obviously, the Knicks. So you have to try to clean it up, be a little bit tighter in your pick and roll coverage. Maybe Mitch is a little bit higher up um, to prevent the pull up three, but otherwise, I think just like tightening that up, and then. You have to on Mitchell. I think they've done as well as you could do. Like he might go off, but I don't think it'll be because the Knicks are like not doing the right thing. But Randall defensively, I think is the other one where it's like be game one Randall. Like blitz with aggression, recover with aggression, box out with aggression. Like let me see that Julius Randall because otherwise everyone on the defensive end is really giving everything they have. Um, hard to really point to anything else on the defensive end they've been so good on defense so i think you just look at that beginning of the third quarter and you say how do we clean up that that coverage i think that's the main thing offensively i think they found that what works is just a matter of executing correctly like man could the Cavs like pivot and just like switch those actions with brunson that's possible is that they're down three one they're like you know what garland mitchell just man up and guard the guy on switches instead of us trying to hedge and recover and do all the stuff so I could see that, and that would be interesting. And I think Brunson can attack that every time. You probably have to be a little bit selective and not like shoot every shot for the rest of the game. But I think I'm not worried about that. I just feel good about Brunson handling that, you know. Um, so yeah, other than that, I don't know. I, I you know those are the things you got to clean up. Otherwise, stick to the script. Beat them on the boards again. You know, one of the more surprising things about the series is that they've won the turnover battle. And that was not one that I expected them to win because the Cavs are one of the best in the league at forcing turnovers. The Knicks are one of the worst at forcing turnovers, but they've actually forced the Cavs into a lot of turnovers, and the Knicks haven't turned it over at all. Uh, game four, I think they only had 10. Um, so you got to stay with that, right? Like, careful with the ball. Um, keep mixing up your coverages and trying to force turnovers on the other end. You got to feel good about where you are, but you never, you know, you, you never want, you always want to anticipate what the other team's going to do. Like, you don't want to sit on your laurels. I think maybe the Cavs did that a bit in game three. Uh, you want to make sure that you're prepared for what adjustments you might think and kind of counter adjust in your game plan. So I think those are the things they'll look at. Yeah, I think it, it would be it would be ballsy, but I, I kind of think they might go to switching everything and just try to say, hey, Jalen Brunson, like score, score 50 on us, like kind of the inverse of what the Knicks are yeah. doing on Donovan Mitchell and make it so like RJ and Josh Hart don't have a runway, like make it so their bigs can actually like, throw like multiple bodies at Mitchell Robinson because right now, like it sort of feels like, all right, we're throwing everything at Jalen Brunson and he's still scoring 29 points pretty efficiently and RJ is getting to the rim and Hart's able to get inside and either get layups or throw nice passes and Mitch is feasting on the glass. Um, so, I mean, if I were running Cleveland and they, they would be in a much worse position if that were the case, but that's, I think that's, that's kind of the approach I would take. Yeah. That, that, I, I wouldn't be shocked if they did. I you know for me though, the Cavs, like they have to score. Yeah, like the defense hasn't been terrible. It's been mostly yeah, very good. Ninety nine and one hundred two points. Like you should. You should oh, they can't. They cannot score right now. Yeah. Um, and so 
that's going to be the thing that they're going to be focused on is like, how do we free up our guys? Um, I do expect a, a pretty large dose of, of, of at Jared Allen pick and rolls to start next game that I do. Cause I think the Mobley pick and roll just hasn't worked because Mobley hasn't hurt them on the roll. Um, but they're going to look to get their guys off with pull up threes when the Knicks are playing drop that I will, I think they will have, they will feature a heavy dose of Jared Allen pick and rolls. Um, and the Knicks need to deal with it and be prepared for it. All right. Well, Benji, I think that's, that's as good of a primer as we could get uh, for this upcoming, hopefully decisive, no jinxes, knock on wood uh, game five coming up here. Thanks so much for covering so much ground with us and, and, you know, talking about so much about what you've seen. We freaking love your like view of everything. Obviously Uh, I think you're one of the better people to go to on Twitter. If you're like, I want to understand things a little better than I could be right now. Uh, You know, it's, you do a very good job of laying it out in plain English and hopefully people feel that way about this, this pod too. But Thanks so much for popping on. Do you want to like remind everybody real quick where to find you and where to find your work before we get going here? Yeah, sure. Um, ben Riddle's NBA, um, sometimes on the Knicks Film School feed as well. Uh, so you can probably find me there um, throughout the playoffs. I'm uh, all over just doing uh, as much as I can to try to break down this series and everything going forward. Um, I can say with confidence that people feel that way about your pod as well. So thank you for the flattering words, but you guys uh, do an incredible job in your own right. So thank you for having me on. Always an honor to be here. Um, and uh, let's wrap this one up Wednesday night. What do you say? Let's I'm do with it. it. I'm with it. Um, <laughs> and people, people can tune in uh, for our post game coverage um, and coverage of any ensuing games, whether that be in round one or round two, uh, hopefully in round two. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not even going to say against who because then it could be thrown in my face if it doesn't happen. Or, you, or if it does happen, then maybe So Can I'm not going imagine? down that road. Thank you, Benji. Thank you, everyone who tuned in. We'll talk to you soon. I'm locked on you.